You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Live from downtown Toronto, overlooking construction and shuttered retail stores, I'm Aaron Karolnik, and welcome into The Edge on this Thursday morning. We are your home for betting odds and information right here on TSN 1050. A huge week in the world of sports betting here in our country. We'll discuss the passing of Bill C-218 with Jason Logan from Covers.com in just a moment. Plus... What a performance from Trey Young last night for the Atlanta Hawks. 48 points in their game one win over the Bucks. Somehow, Atlanta was eight-point underdogs on the road against Milwaukee and still dogs to win this Eastern Conference Final. We'll get into that with Jason in just a moment. Martino Buccio, the man with the best name in all of the soccer media from the State of Play podcast. He sets up the Euro and the round of 16, which begins on Saturday. All games heard here on TSN 1050. And finally tonight could be the night for the Montreal Canadiens. Home dogs against the Golden Knights. If they have the chance to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final, still cannot even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But let's begin today with the news that came in late Tuesday afternoon after months of deliberation and debate. The Senate of Canada has given its final approval to a bill that will allow provinces to offer single-game sports betting, leaving only a royal blessing before the legislation becomes law. And speaking of blessings, terrible segue, let's welcome in Jason Logan, the managing editor and senior industry analyst for Covers.com. Good morning, Jason. What's going on? Not too much. I'm laughing at your blessings uh, segue. That was, it wasn't that bad. It was. I've had worse, trust me. Many, (laughs) many worse segues than that. So I guess on the scale of 1 to 10, that's probably a 6 for me. So pretty much par for the course. Jason, you are an industry expert as far as gambling goes, not only here in Canada, but also in the United States. So you're going to have to break down for our audience. Tell us exactly what this passing of Bill C-218 means that happened earlier this week and what we can expect to come next. In your opinion, Tell us kind of the timeline about what we can expect in the coming months. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's the $20 billion question right now. Is what is this going to look like in terms of rollout and when are we going to get sports betting? And it's going to depend on which province you live in. So um, the first thing is you're, you're going to see operators, those existing operators, the lottery operators, your, your play nows and your pro lines and sports selects they should be able to turn this around relatively quickly. And, and from what some people are saying, Labor Day may actually be one of those days where you could see it tip off, at least here in Ontario, uh, with the pro line. Uh, looks like the BC lottery is, is, you know, they had all their ducks in a row and they're ready to go. Um, but then as far as what this looks like for additional operators, it's going to depend on how each province wants to set up. Because now that this is uh, passed and the Safe and Regulated Sports Betting Act is in place and single-game wagering is allowed, the ball is now in the court of the provinces, and each province and, and each kind of lottery commission kind of do their own thing. So in B.C., the rumblings out of B.C. is that it may just be playing out. It may just be the lottery operation. Uh, within Ontario, it really sounds like we're going to get the, the full accoutrement of sports betting entities, um, you know, from, from lottery, from pro line, 
to some of those bigger names like a DraftKings and FanDuel points bet. And then even like existing kind of operators who play in the space right now, whether those are Canadian online sports books or these UK sports books that are operating and, and, and taking Canadian customers, you know, they'll be able to apply for a license, which is great. And that's what you want as a sports better. You want that competition and you want that, that option of, you know, shopping around at different sports books and getting the best lines. And, and hopefully that's what we're going to see is, you know, fair lines, which is something we haven't always had with lottery operators, but at least that's the way that it looks like it's going to be for Ontario. And maybe Ontario sets the pace in terms of when this is going to come out. You know, some people are saying, you know, it might not be until Super Bowl that we get the full rollout of everything. But depending on what the lottery commissions do, it could be something that uh, shows up by football season. Jason, many will point to the questionable rollout. Oh, that's actually a double entendre. The questionable rollout of cannabis in our province as a reason to be skeptical that our provincial government will be able to execute this in an efficient and viable manner. So let's say Jason Logan, Covers.com, is put in charge. You're the Minister of Implementation of Sports Betting in the province of Ontario. What are some things that you think are incumbent on whoever fills that role ultimately and making sure this is a system and a process that is rolled out in a viable manner, not only for the government to ensure they reap the tax benefits and job creation, but also for the consumers as well. Sure. I mean, the, the first thing, you got to think mobile first. This can't be something that, uh, you know, you have to go into the, the grocery store or the, the, the gas station to get your tickets in or a kiosk somewhere. It's got to be mobile. You have to bring the action to the people. And as we've seen with states, uh, you know, the south of the border, the states with a proper mobile rollout, and when they do it right, that's it. The sports book is no longer in the casino. The sports book is the living room. So you need to bring it to the people. Uh, the other big thing is going to be the tax rate. And how much are you skimming off the top of the hold uh, from the sports books? And we've seen states, you know, there's states out there like Nevada that do it right. Uh, states like, like New Jersey, uh, Colorado, which have lower sub 10% tax rates on these things. And what that does is, is it essentially doesn't have to trickle down to the sports better. You know, they're able to hold enough and pay the government and still keep the lights on and, and make money and be operational. But then you see places like Pennsylvania, which have a, a, a tax rate above 30%. The proposed mobile uh, sports betting tax rate in New York, is, is they're saying 50%. And what that essentially does is, it trickles down to the sports better because the operators are giving away so much to the, to the government um, that they have to up their prices. So the minus 110 becomes minus 130. We talked about this a, a little yeah. while ago. Um, and so that's the tax rate, a fair tax rate. And then also to having a competitive market, opening it up to people, you know, to operators that want to come in and run a good business and competition is great for the customer. You know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, the only burger joint in town selling a crappy hamburger. No one wants to eat that burger. You know what I mean? You want to have choices. You want to have McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King. So, you know, you can go and find the burgers that you want to eat. So having that choice there is, is great, too, because it's great for the consumer. Um, and and, and, com and competitive market makes everyone kind of step it up as well, too. Um, and then I think you're going to have to have your, your, your proper fail-safes in there as well, too. I mean, just like you see with Nevada working with – um, you know, leagues, professional leagues, the NCAA, the NBA, you know, that's, that's where you catch these, any potential match, match fixing is where you see um, irregular betting patterns. And normally these kind of, these don't happen in big events. They kind of happen in like third tier tennis events and stuff like that. That would normally 
draw a couple hundred bucks and all of a sudden you've got, you know, 15,000 riding on this tennis match that no one knows who these players are. And that's, that's when they, that's when they call up these leagues and organizations and say, Hey, by the way, you might want to look into this because there's a regular pattern. So I think setting up that line of communication with the leagues and then also to, um, you know, responsible gambling is, is something that we preach at covers.com. And when you have stuff that is a little more available out there, then you, you could have an uptick in problem gamblers, which you see in the UK. So I think a lot of responsibility has to fall on everyone from the top down in terms of getting out the messages, uh, so providing support and additional uh, resources for people with problem gambling. And the great thing is with, with legal and regulated sports betting, it's post up. You've got to show up with money in hand. It's not credit. So, you know, when you have these regulated legal markets, Guys aren't getting in over their head. They can't bet with money that they don't have. So, you know, no one's, no one's getting their, their thumbs broken and stuff like that on a Tuesday when the bookie comes to collect. That would be my dream yeah. rollout. Yeah, so we're talking about the passing of Bill C218 with Jason Logan. He's the managing editor and senior industry analyst for Covers.com. A question I've been getting in the last couple of days, Jason, is as you're well aware, there are a number of offshore sports books that Canadians have been using for years in order to place wagers illegally. What will happen to those books here in Canada? Will they be shut out by the Internet providers? Any idea exactly how that will work? Um, well, you've seen you've seen some action in the states uh, where they've gone after some of these places and shuttered them and shut them out. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, you can't really crack them down. And normally they'll just kind of change their domain name or find a workaround and they'll try to cut off the, the money streams going in. But I mean, with things like cryptocurrency, it's super, super easy to, to fund your account and withdraw money. So those those channels there, they might not be that aggressive. I think the best way to combat that is give a product that is comparable and competitive to the yes. online market in those offshore markets because those guys, for the credit, they do it right. And it's mainly because they don't have any legislation in place of them, so, so slowing them up or, or, or tax rates skimming off the top or anything like that, but they do it right. So if you can put a, a product out there that is competitive and comparable and have ease of entry, ease of withdrawal, ease of deposit, you know, not have to make people jump through hoops to get their money in and out, um, and have good competitive markets and rates and bonuses and stuff like that, you will have people go with the legal route because it is the legal route and it's trusted. And a, a lot of new gamblers are going to go to that as well, too. So I think, I think you've got to come out and compete with these offshores, and that's eventually how you're going to dry them up. Yeah, it's a very exciting time here in Canada, for certainly for you guys at Covers.com. For us here at TSN, so many options and so many exciting possibilities in the months to come. And we'll be tracking uh, all the latest news on Covers.com. And I'm sure uh, TSN Edge has a, a significant amount of coverage uh, on that as well. Let's move to the NBA last night, Jason. Trey Young, I mean, <laughs> just an unbelievable performance. And I was shocked heading into the game last night to see the Hawks as eight-point dogs on the road in Milwaukee. I understand not the easiest place to play. They were plus 350 to win the series. That number only down to plus 175 after winning game one on the road and I suppose taking control of the home court. How do you view this going from here on out? Do you, do you, are you giving Atlanta a real legitimate shot to win the series? And would you take them at plus money to win outright in the, the, the seven-game series? Yeah, you, you and I talked about NBA futures there a couple of weeks ago, and I gave Atlanta, I was like, you know what, Atlanta is a team that is built for the playoffs because they're not just a one-track team, and they don't just have, you know, they have a superstar, but they're not overly reliant on that one superstar because they have so much scoring depth. 
And they can win games like this where, you know, guys may not step up or it may be a bit intimidating on the road. Game one, Easter Conference final, and you have a guy like Trey Young that can carry your team, score 48, be huge in the fourth quarter, and then create opportunities too, which I think is a really undervalued piece of his game. Is He's become such a great distributor and creator of buckets as well too. Uh, but then I, I think we're going to see Milwaukee clamp down on him. They got a lot more physical with him in the second half there yesterday. Drew Holiday was, was kind of all over him. Um, I think they're going to clamp down, pack the paint, which is what Milwaukee does. And the Hawks have other guys that can score. You know, they have Clint Capella who can go and, and get those grimy points inside. You have John Collins, who's a tough matchup. Gallinari. Uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of guys on this team that can, that can step up and score buckets. Um, you know, put some damn respect on the Atlanta Hawks. And, and they, yeah, because they're, they're plus seven for game two. I know, and, I know. And they're 32-18-1 ATS since Nate McMillan took over in March. So it's like, what else do you want from the Hawks? What else can you ask from the Hawks? They went in and they, they won the Garden, took down MSG, won in the Mecca, and then went and, and beat up on the big bad 76ers and exposed them. And those were the two top defenses in the Eastern Conference. So it's like, well, if, if those teams can't stop them, then Milwaukee, I don't know. Like, there's it, it, just, they're a really tough team to figure out. And then they can also win games with defense as well, too, which we saw in those last, uh, you know, three to four games against Philadelphia. Really, really I, I, I already bet Atlanta plus seven and a half for game, uh, for game I, two. I'm with you, man. I don't get the love for Milwaukee that the books have. I mean, Milwaukee barely squeaked by a Brooklyn team. Kevin Durant was incredible. He's one of the best players in the world. Uh, probably mm-hmm. one of the best scorers in the history of the game. But it was just Kevin Durant. James Harden was as mobile as I am. And, like, Blake Griffin was cut by the Detroit Pistons, given $60 million to go away. Blake Griffin had a little bit of a resurgence, but let's be real, Hill. Milwaukee's not a world beater. I think Atlanta could absolutely take the series. And the fact that you're getting plus money on them right now and plus seven and a half in game two (laughs) seems like a complete no-brainer. Let's shift our focus to tonight. It's the Clippers and the Suns. It's in L.A. The Suns are one, one one-and-a-half-point favorites, namely because Chris Paul will expect it to return. He has been missed the first two games uh, because he was in coronavirus protocols. No Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers tonight. Are you surprised that the Suns are only one, one one-and-a-half-point favorites considering they're getting Paul back and the Clippers still without Kawhi? I think because we've seen the Clippers come back from these 0-2 holes and play well in Game Three, I think that I think that people are and maybe oddsmakers are giving them a little extra credit. But you got to remember, Kawhi was in those games and he was fantastic on both ends of the floor. He scored 36 and 34 points in those Game Threes. He was shut down defense, and he's such a versatile guy that you can kind of stick him everywhere. Uh, I I thought the Clippers' best shot was was that Game Two. They uglied up that game, uh, which is what they needed to do. They disrupted Phoenix's offense. I thought uh, Pat Beverly played really well on Booker, and he's, he's been a problem for him when he's on the floor, when he's checking him. But now you add Chris Paul, who was absolutely sensational in those final closeout games against Denver, looked like Chris Paul you know, back in the Hornets days. And now you've got this other liability uh, on the perimeter, and you're looking at guys like Mann, who's had foul trouble, and then you know, Reggie Jackson, I guess the less we talk about his defense, the, the better. <laughs> um, you know, you, now you have these issues on the perimeter, and then inside you have you know, DeAndre Ayton just just chewing them up inside. I mean, the guy is the guy is a machine in there. He's long. Um, I I I did take uh, Phoenix tonight minus one. Uh, this one also does have though. It does also does have my favorite the O two game three first half trend. I think we talked about that last mm-hmm. time. So I did play. I did play. 
I did play the the Clippers minus one first half. So, and they did come through in the Utah series for this trend as well too. But uh, the books are getting pretty wise to this one. So we're seeing these these first half spreads uh, uh, for these o o two game three trends uh, starting to kind of get nice and fat and padded, sucking the value out of it. Yeah, Jason, well, we'll get you out of here on this, and you know I'm a sucker for a futures bet. I know you're not a big fan of it, but they're great fodder. And I'm talking about the NBA Finals MVP odds. Giannis and Devin Booker are the co-favorites at plus 170. You have CP3 at plus 500, and our boy Trey Young, plus 1,200 to be NBA Finals MVP alongside Paul George at plus 1,200. Then you go Middleton, Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I guess if you're betting, if you believe that Milwaukee can come back and win the series and then win the NBA title, I mean, Giannis at plus 170 is good value. But, I mean, CP3 at plus 500 with the Suns up 2-0 makes some sense to me. Yeah, I like, I like the point guards in that one. Give me Chris Paul over there. Uh, what was it? Plus, plus 500. 500. That's yeah. pretty good. And what was, what was Young? Uh, Trey Young plus 1,200. Good God. Like, did you not watch the game last <laughs> exactly. night? Exactly. Exactly. He was plus 1,400 before the game last night. Now he's still only plus 1,200. doesn't make any sense. And the great thing is, like I said, he doesn't have to score 40 a game. You saw game seven against Philadelphia. He scored 21, but they still picked it up. And the guy is still out there dishing out 10 assists. So, you know, and defense have to, have to be accountable for him. So it's, that's, that's ridiculous. Give me Trey Young. Amen. The Atlanta Hawks bandwagon has two new members. It's Jason Logan from Covers.com. It's myself, Aaron Karolnik. Jason, thanks for doing this, my man. Appreciate the insight, as always, and look forward to having you back on the show soon. Awesome. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right. That is Jason Logan, the managing editor and senior industry analyst for Covers.com. Lots of Euro coverage on Covers.com as well, and on the State of Play podcast. One of our favorites, Martino Puccio joins us next to break down the round of 16 from a betting perspective. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night. All right, a couple days off for UEFA Euro 2020, of course, today and tomorrow. Days off for the tournament, but Saturday we are back at it. All games can be seen on TSN and heard on TSN 1050. And there's one game in particular on Saturday, Italy and Austria. That is a big deal to many of our colleagues and including our next guest back by popular demand martino puccio from the athletic and the state of play podcast he's going to help us break down the round of 16 heading into saturday's action martino what's up my man how are you good how are you um appreciate that uh shout out right there popular demand uh, means a lot that uh it's good to it's good to hear how uh everyone's uh, receiving everything so well so i appreciate you uh having me back on and i'm on uh, the correct show and knowing yes, the correct show that I'm on. exactly exactly we'll just leave it at that we don't need to bring attention to what happened earlier this week that was actually my fault martino not yours don't worry about it at all so i was talking about your side Italy. You're an Italian man, Martino Puccio. Pretty obvious that's the case. Italy's been super impressive so far in this tournament. I don't think anyone can deny how good they've been. They get a matchup with Austria, who almost everyone expects them to beat. They're minus 500 to advance past Austria. They have the second best odds to win Euro 2020. How are you feeling about your side as far as their chances to take home the whole tournament? 
I feel, I feel really good about it um, moving forward. Um, you know, it's difficult, again, because I think last time we talked about it, the path that they're going to have is pretty difficult. And if you look on their side of the bracket, it's just yeah. night and day difference compared to the other side. And, and the path that it takes to get to the final is harder than the final itself, most likely, because the best team you're looking at on the other side is probably Germany. And even then, they've been incredibly inconsistent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling really good about Saturday. Um, you either face one of the greatest players of all time in the quarterfinal or you face the golden generation of Belgium. Um, and then you kind of hope, you know, Spain or Croatia or Switzerland somehow knock out France. Um, and that makes your path that much easier. But I feel strong about it. They got a lot of good rest on the third match day in the group. So I'm feeling good. I mean, listen, it's just they have everything that they need now. They have health, they have depth, and they have quality. And that's all you need to win a tournament like this. Martino, you talked about the tough draw that Italy has, assuming they advance past Austria. So they will play the winner of Belgium and Portugal, assuming they beat Austria. I mean, that is an absolute doozy. Star power like crazy. You're talking about Ronaldo, Lukaku, my boy De Bruyne. And Belgium is the slight favorite. Do you think they have enough to get, get past Portugal, who I thought acquitted themselves very well in their match yesterday? Yeah, I think they have enough for it. But honestly, I mean, this can go either way. This is what makes these games so dramatic and, and so difficult to bet. I really kind of, and this is where the triple money line is, is fascinating, right? Because the favorite's only at plus 140 for it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, either way, you're looking pretty good. Um, and it's not really worth betting a team to advance to the next round, really, because the odds of that are, are just that much better, in my opinion. Um Listen, I think Portugal has played really well. Even in the toughest match against Hungary in the sides of Germany and France um, that finished ahead of them, they drew against them, even though Portugal grinded it out and won 3-0. So for me with Belgium, there is a bit of inconsistency, especially at the back. I think it's a much weaker defensive side than they've had in recent tournaments, and I think that's going to affect them in this. I think Portugal is in a really good spot to face Belgium. I think Belgium is the one side that you know has proven that they can't get over the hump. Portugal has proven to do uh, to do that in recent times, especially in the last Euro. And when you have a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo, that's who you want. Um, regardless how good of De Bruyne and Lukaku are, um, it's really hard to bet against that guy and go against him, especially every time we see him step up and take penalties and make penalties. No one else is seemingly making penalties in this tournament. So um, I think Portugal is in a really good spot here. Um, and I, feel, I kind of feel bad for Belgium fans because, I mean, <laughs> it's just any time that they think they have an opportunity, they get one of the greatest players of all time in, in the first round. Ah, whatever. They got, they got a lot of tasty chocolate there in Belgium. They'll be just fine. So let's talk about <laughs> the game that, for me, might be the most intriguing of them all. It's England and Germany. It's at Wembley Stadium in London. So it's a home game for England. And this might be the most heated of all rivalries in European football. So I think everyone is just so pumped for that game. England is slightly favored to, ad to advance past the Germans, which I mean, I'm going to imagine surprises you considering you talked about how Germany was the best team on the other side of the bracket from Italy and Belgium and Portugal. Mm. Do, you, do you like the Germans in spite of the way they performed yesterday against Hungary? Or are you leaning towards England? It's so tough to get a read on Germany because, like, the way they lost against France, you kind of understood. It's like, okay, it was just an own goal. Nothing else happened, but then again, they didn't score. They absolutely 
dismantled Portugal. It wasn't even close. It was probably the best performance by a team in the tournament, considering the quality of a side that they faced. I think England is only slightly favored here because they play at home, because their last match was a little bit better, and it seemed like the formation that they went with uh, was of higher quality. For me, it really comes down to Harry Kane in this match. If Harry Kane is showing and continuing to play that the way he's been playing, I have a hard time seeing them do well in this match. But again, you kind of look at England. Their defense has been fantastic, but it's also facing a German side that has probably one of the better attacks in the tournament. I would say the one of the three best attacks, especially on their day. Um, for me, I kind of like Germany here as the underdog. Um, again, England, I think we talked about it last time. This right here is everything with these two sides. They're probably the favorite to come out and make it to the final on this side of the bracket on whoever wins this match. Um, so for me, I think I really like Germany here. Um, I think their just overall quality in general is, is just great. I think it's going to be a much closer match than some anticipate. But again, I think it all comes down to Gareth Southgate's uh, selection, the 11, and what Harry Kane decides to do. If he's going to be the same slow um, attacking player that can't score, then it's a problem. Because remember, he was favored to be top scorer of the tournament, and he has yet to score a goal. Yeah, so. I, w- I, w- I want to talk about the Golden Boot in just a moment, Martino. Mm. Martino Puccio from the State of Play podcast is our guest here on The Edge. Uh, also, Mbappe, no goals either. I mean, Mbappe and Harry Kane were expected to be two of the top uh, goal scorers in this tournament, neither of whom have scored yet. So let's, let's quickly look at the overall odds to win the tourney. So you have France still listed as the favorite. And I don't think they've been underwhelming, but maybe not as dominant as some expected in spite of their very difficult group. You have Italy at plus 600, England plus 650, Germany, Spain, Belgium, the Netherlands, Portugal, all pretty closely grouped under plus 1,000 and less. Where is there any value in betting this tournament? I feel like you're almost flipping a coin as far as all these quality teams within the same range of odds. I I think it's pretty funny to see where Spain lies. Uh, Even though they had a great final day performance, it still wasn't all that convincing. They scored on a couple of mistakes. They still missed a penalty. Alvaro Morata's confidence is still low. That's plus 800, and we're talking about potentially them seeing uh, France in the quarterfinal. Uh, and, and honestly, like Portugal has way better odds than they do at plus 1250, as I'm seeing in some places. Um, and even Denmark, plus 1800, because you have to factor in the path, right? I mean, yeah. Denmark clearly bouncing back. They played great against Russia. Their only loss, really, that, that I could, you know, not even their both both of their losses against Belgium and then against Finland. You know, it's tough to rebound after what happened to them. Finland loss, I throw it out the window. I don't take anything into account there. That's just as mentally demoralizing of a match that you could ever play in in a sport. Um, and then Belgium had amazing quality. Kevin De Bruyne coming off the bench, like you know, that's you're not going to find that anywhere else within the tournament. Uh, they win this game against Wales. Like their path is really just. They eventually might end up playing whoever, uh, you know, wins the Germany and England match. And that plus 1,800, you're talking about a great hedge, and they have the quality to do it. Um, so me personally, I think they're the best out of, you know, Germany and England on that side of the bracket. Uh, 
And yeah, again, Portugal. I, I think at just plus twelve fifty is just is just great. They have the quality to beat Italy. They play France incredibly tough. That's obvious. Um, I think they could easily beat Belgium. And then you're kind of looking at okay, they they get past that round, and you're looking at the odds of where in the seven hundreds maybe. I just think it holds a lot more value than Spain. I think Spain kind of have the worst odds. And then it really comes down to your pick of do you like Germany or England better? Um, and I think I, I like Germany given the quality and the odds that they're listed at. Um, and listen, anything can happen in this sport. So if you feel more comfortable with going with an England, then be my guest. Or if you want to go with Germany, go right ahead because that holds more value due to their path. I feel more comfortable tailing your picks, Martino, than my own. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's talk quickly about a top goal scorer in the tournament, the Golden Boot. Ronaldo has five goals through the tournament so far. He's been an absolute beast. He's obviously the betting favorite at minus 140 to take home the Golden Boot as the tournament's top goal scorer. Then you have Lukaku at plus 500, Benzema of France at plus 1,200, Immobile at plus 16, Depay of the Netherlands at plus 1,600. And you mentioned Denmark, and I'm looking at Poulsen. At plus 8,000, so you're getting 80 to 1. If you think Denmark could make a run, maybe there's some value there. How do you look at the golden boot? So I just don't think there's enough left to play because at, at worst you're thinking a guy has 90 minutes to add to this. You know, I mean, it obviously can go to extra time. So Poulsen is just kind of someone I stay away from. And this is why I kind of stayed away from the Frenchman as well with Kylian Mbappe, Griezmann, and, and Benzema because they're going to be spreading that out. Different guys will be taking penalties. Different guys could be scoring from open goal play. Um, Mbappe last time, just like within the World Cup, way better in the knockout stages than he was in the group stage. Zero goals in the group stage. Like, you have to take your opportunities in the group stage. That's why we don't really see Harry Kane near the top. He failed to score there. Um, Lukaku did a great job, and again, plus 600 it has some value, but if you're kind of sitting there and saying, I don't think Belgium is going to advance, then what's the point in picking him? Because he's not going to pass Ronaldo. And this, like, if he passes Ronaldo within that one game, then it's probably one of the greatest Euro matches of all time <laughs> for a player. And that's yes. kind of saying, like, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen, so you stay away from that. Um, at that point, you kind of just pick on who you think is going to make it the furthest in the tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just really difficult. Ronaldo's just the safe one, but I think there is some value with Memphis Depay and the Dutch path as well. Um, they've been a little bit better on offense than I would have expected within this tournament, so I would definitely look at somebody like that. There's always Chiro Immobile, but you've got to remember, Jorginho takes the penalties for Italy, so if there's some penalties involved in this, that guy's probably not going to be taking them. Um, it's chalky, it's boring, but, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo at this point, I mean, just regardless if the guy is able to get open play goals or penalties, he's scoring no matter what. Um, but, yeah, out of these players, I, I think I think the pie holds a lot of weight to it. Um, but don't be shocked if Mbappe starts turning it up because that guy is just so talented. Um, he's getting his chances. He just needs to do a better job of finishing. Yeah, he's due, and you can get Ronaldo at plus money to score against Belgium, and anytime you get plus money on Ronaldo to <laughs> put a goal on the board, you probably should be making that wager. He is Martino Puccio from the State of Play podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and check it out. It's terrific stuff and more terrific stuff from Martino on the show this morning. Thank you for doing this, my friend. Look forward to having you on again very shortly. Yep, appreciate it. Take care. All right, Martino Puccio. What a name, man. Why couldn't my parents give me a name like Martino Puccio? How my life would be so dramatically different. Probably for the better. Definitely, definitely. Speaking of life for the better. Ah!
Ah, another terrible segue. Justin Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk about the Habs and the Golden Knights this evening from Montreal. Montreal is the underdog at home in Game 6. Explain that one to me. Justin Cuthbert will do just that next on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. We are back here on the edge right here on TSN 1050 streaming worldwide TSN 1050.ca some big news in our province this morning that's right stage two of the reopening two days earlier than promised by our government congratulations to all for getting vaccinated which has spurred this radical shift in progressiveness as far as accelerating our opening I'm being sarcastic here so two days June 30th you will be allowed to Get a haircut once again. Let's welcome our next guest in, Justin Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports. Covers the NHL for that fine entity. Justin, how pumped are you to sit down in a barber's chair and get a haircut? Oh, my God. I thought you were going to talk about Bill C-218 when you started that question, but I think I'm more <laughs> excited about the possibility of getting a haircut. It's been uh, it's been far too long, and trying to do it myself and like looking like I've got a half-shaved head is... Uh, it's something I don't want to experience any longer. So it's you were be good you were doing it yourself. Down. You're cutting your own hair. Well, I, I mean, I've been on on uh, camera for uh, Yahoo Sports every night doing podcasts and video podcasts. So I've had to try to make myself look presentable. And thankfully, the back of my head is not what's shown on camera. You're a handsome man. Doesn't really matter about the hair at all. So you're you're looking good. I watch your content. Regardless of you cutting your own hair, you're still presenting yourself very well. Let's get into what's going on in the NHL tonight, and I'm looking at the odds on Montreal and Vegas, and I can't figure it out, man. I don't understand why Montreal is the home underdog tonight against a team they have dominated in the last two games, and I understand Vegas was the number two team in the NHL as far as the regular season goes, but this is a brand new ball game. Am I off base with loving the Habs in game six tonight to close out Vegas? Yeah, I'm sort of with you. I, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the line movement at all, but I always wonder about Vegas and how often those in Vegas bet on Vegas and try to drive that price up. But mm. right now, the plus money on the Montreal Canadiens uh, to close things out on home ice is very, very tempting. I mean, I'm seeing about one or plus 125 to uh, just to win on the money line and to win in regulation plus 215 is uh, very, very enticing. Um but you're right. I mean, I think there's like the reasoned approach, which is the fact that the Montreal Canadiens have basically taken control of this series. And if you go, you know, there's so many, you know, so many examples to look at now and so many instances in which a team has clearly identified itself as the A side. I mean, we've seen it from Vegas and we've seen it from Montreal in, in their lead up to this point. And I think Montreal is doing just that. I mean, if you look at the last two games, it's just been completely dominated by the Montreal side. And it seems like their advantage is, just severely outweigh the ones that the Vegas Golden Knights can produce. So I think a lot of this is just, you're right, the bias that Montreal being the 18th best team in the regular season, Vegas being the number two seed and supposed to win. But by the way this series is going, I mean, Montreal is clearly the one that's in control. And then there's also the narrative approach. I mean, in all this, there seems to be this serendipitous element around Montreal. They've got the holiday today and all that going into it. And yep. we had a game six, I believe, where they were going to get fans back in the stands against the Leafs way back when. And that was on the day where patios and everything and their reopening in Quebec 
Like, it just seems like it's all lining up. The stars are aligning for the Montreal Canadiens and have been since the very start of these playoffs, it seems. And that just uh, fuels my uh, interest in uh, looking at that plus 215 for Montreal in regulation. Justin, I had our research staff here on the edge go back and see it. That if any guest had ever used the word serendipitous, and the answer is no, you are the first. So congratulations. <laughs> also, Carey Price in elimination games in these playoffs, according to John Liu, four and zero, a sub two GAA, nine thirty six save percentage. So when Montreal has a chance to close out a series, Carey Price shows up, and that's a scary proposition for the Vegas Golden Knights looking to extend their season tonight in Montreal. Let's talk about last night, and I guess look ahead to tomorrow night as well, a game that it was uh, a wild one. And, I mean, you think about what the Islanders were, Islanders were able to do coming back from a multi-goal deficit against the reigning Stanley Cup champions who did lose Nikita Kucherov early in that game. That hasn't deterred odds makers from making the Lightning a prohibitive favorite in Game 7. But if Kucherov were to miss Game 7, I think it's a pretty safe assumption he will at this point. What would that mean to Tampa and your faith in them to close out the Islanders? Yeah, I think it changes things a little bit, but I, I would still probably lean the Tampa Bay side. I mean, if there's any if there's any team in the NHL that's that sort of understands how they have to be malleable in the Stanley Cup playoffs and how they have to wear different hats, it's certainly the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I was actually very impressed with by the way they, they played for the most part in Game 6. I mean, it seemed like the entire um, strategy for them was just weathering the storms, and they weathered that storm in the first period, limiting to the Islanders who were playing in front of that that environment for the first time to about three shots in the first like 15 minutes or so, like they understand what the situation calls for. And I think they did a really good job in game six, just didn't get the result. But when it's back on their home ice, I think it's a different story and it will be probably a different story, even without Nikita Kucherov. I just think they have all the pieces and I think they have all the experience and postseason know-how to, to handle those situations. Again, if you want to go narrative uh, based with your argument, like, uh, the Islanders, it just seemed like that building wasn't going to die last night. And, and I don't know how much that goes into it, but a guy like Matt Barzell, I think, just made that decision for himself in the third period and just came out like uh, the world was on fire for him. So uh, I think that's the counterpunch that we were expecting the Islanders to land on Tampa Bay. Not that they were destined to win by any means, but the Islanders were going to show up after getting knocked out of the park 8-0. Uh, but I think the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will have that counterpunch ready to go themselves for Game 7. And I guess Tampa played the entire regular season without Kucherov. So what's one Game 7? They know how to do it. Uh, Justin Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports is our guest here on The Edge. I'm Aaron Karolnik. Uh, so, Justin, you know I like to get into the real degenerate types of bets. And I'm looking at the Conn Smythe Trophy odds. I've been tracking it pretty extensively. And these odds, these odds shift dramatically based on, of course, who wins or loses games because you're talking about the odds of advancing. Basically, win, you need to win the Stanley Cup in order to win the Conn Smythe. Unless it's Carey Price, and he is the betting favorite at this very moment to take home the Conn Smythe Trophy, if Montreal were to get to the Cup Final, let's just say the Islanders beat Tampa in Game 7, I, I, mean, it's, I think it's pretty likely that even in a losing effort, if that, go, if that series goes 6 or 7, Price has a chance to pull a John Sebastian Jaguar and win the Conn Smythe as the losing netminder. Do you agree? Uh, that's interesting. I, I would probably say no, um, but it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> argument because I don't think the light or the Islanders really have an obvious choice. I mean, Kyle yes. Palmieri was certainly 
that player at the, at the beginning. He was scoring a ton of goals in the first two series, but he's gone cold ever since they uh, met the Tampa Bay Lightning in round three. And then they've been flip-flopping through goaltenders. Are you going to give the Conn Smythe trophy to Semyon Barlamov when he, I believe he didn't get a win in one of the, in, uh, you know, I think it was Sorokin all the way through in the first round. So that's a difficult argument to make as well. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I think Carey Price might have that, um, might have an argument in that case if it is the Islanders and the Habs. But what's interesting about Carey Price is he's been brilliant, but he hasn't stolen, I don't think, a game. I don't think he's been like that, the, the, the one single determining factor for Montreal. I think Montreal is winning on their own volition. Uh, and actually, I think we're waiting for Carey Price to steal a game, and it could be one here against the Vegas Golden Knights here down the stretch. So maybe he can still build that case. But if it is Islanders, uh, any, anyway, if the Islanders get through the Stanley Cup final and win, I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion based on who could win the Smythe Trophy because there's no clear winner. But right now, I, I'm circling Braden Point. I think there's yeah. like a three-horse race with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and Nikita Kucherov, who's led the postseason in scoring the last two years and probably will have two of the greatest postseason scoring campaigns ever, back-to-back, may not win one at all. And Andre Vasilevsky, his numbers are tremendous and remarkable in their own right. But Braden Point potentially scoring in 10 consecutive games if he scores in Game 7, I just don't know how you can deny him that because in addition to all those goals, he's also what Victor Hedman was to the uh, Lightning last year. He's like the motor, the engine, the guy that everything seems to run through. So I think Braden Point is, uh, should be considered the favorite given the fact that Tampa Bay, I think, is still favored to win the Stanley Cup and should be. Uh, and, I, and I think he's the leader of, of uh, the candidates for the Lightning. Yeah, man, you talk about the Islanders and their goaltending situation. Yeah, Varlamov is plus 650 to win the Conn Smythe right now. And, like, I mean, it, you've, it's been a mix-and-match type scenario for the Islanders in goal, and that's a trophy that could go to literally anyone at this point. But, yeah, if you believe that Tampa will win the Cup, as I do, and I, I think you're probably all on the same lines as I do, if you maybe hit Point and Vasilevsky, assuming that Kucherov is out, which I think is a realistic assumption, you could probably make a decent amount of money because you could get point at plus 450 and Vasilevsky at plus 550. So you hit them both, you lock down both Tampa guys, and they go to the cup, you're in, uh, you're in pretty good shape. That's how I'm playing this, and uh, I hope you uh, follow along with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I, think, uh, I think we maybe missed out on the opportunity a couple days ago. I think the numbers were a little bit better for Braden Point, but that was, I guess, before he continued scoring every single game, and maybe there was a little bit of doubt because Nikita Kudrov was still healthy and was, you know, topping that uh, that leaderboard in terms of in terms of uh, postseason score. He is Justin Cuthbert. You can follow him on Twitter at JC Cuthbert and follow his great work at Yahoo Sports Canada. Justin, thank you for doing this. As always, always love having you as part of our show, and uh, we will definitely be calling you on you again, maybe before the Stanley Cup Final, which is right around the corner. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for our next conversation. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right, Justin Guthrie from Yahoo Sports. We'll wrap things up on the other side with a look at the world of basketball. The Phoenix Suns, Clippers tonight in Game 3. Chris Paul returns, and can they make it a 3-0 series lead? We'll tell you what the odds are on that next. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Fire as far as the music goes this morning. Of course, Olivia Rodrigo, one of my faves. Good for you. I think the number one song in the world for the last couple of months. 
Rightfully so. The number one team in the NHL is the Montreal Canadiens. They will close out Vegas tonight at plus 125 dogs. I'm telling you, Montreal is the better team. We go back to game four. 18-1, high danger scoring opportunities in favor of Montreal. Game five, Montreal dominated Vegas. A 4-1 decisive victory. I think they close it out tonight and getting them a plus money. An absolute steal. And looking at the NBA board tonight, Phoenix one-point favorites on the road in L.A. I think Playoff P lives up to his moniker tonight. Take the over of 30.5 points. That is his player point total tonight. And I think the Clippers win as the home dog. So I like the home dog in the NBA in the Clippers and the home dog in the NHL in the Montreal Canadiens. Those are my picks for tonight. Feel free to fade them and recoup the benefits later. Just kidding. Don't do that. Don't fade me. It's very, very hurtful. Thank you very much to Jason Logan from Covers.com for joining us. Of course, Martino Puccio, our man with the plan when it comes to Euro 2020, and Justin Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports. A great show. Also, thanks to Chris 20 Fingers Diavero for working his magic behind the glass. We'll be back next week. The Stanley Cup Final will be ongoing. Euro 2020 will be winding down. And the NBA Finals as well. So it's a great time to be a sports better in our country beyond the passing of Bill C-218. So for all of us here at TSN 1050, I'm Aaron Korolnik. Thanks for being with us. We'll chat with you next Thursday.